You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We are here representing Heartland Baptist Bible College. And, and I hope that you enjoyed the testimonies. I, they asked me what to give the testimonies about. And, and uh, so I said, well, let's talk about what led you to Heartland Baptist Bible College. And it, what, I, what I want you to understand is Heartland is, is an institution that um, people are part, part of. And it's not a perfect institution. Uh, you're not going to find a perfect church. The moment you walk in the door, guess what? The church will not be perfect anymore. <laughs> Because you're not perfect and we're not perfect. But it's not about Heartland Baptist Bible College. It's about God's call in a person's life. Yes. That's, that's what that's all about. And I, I, I hope you took that, that truth with that. And uh, we have a table out in the foyer with a display, the newest uh, CD, that uh, Assurance, Glory Bound, and then our uh, mixed uh, quartet, Witness, has put out called Sufficient. Maybe you heard a lot of the songs that were sung tonight talking about the Bible. And uh, because the Word of God is sufficient to meet our needs. And so that's available back there. We have some, um, some resources. We've got some free pens if you want a good pen to write with. We've got some good pens. It has Heartland on it. So every time you look at that, you can remember uh, to pray for uh, Heartland Baptist Bible College. And there's a Connect card out there if you'd like to be put on our mailing list uh, go by there and fill the card out, and we'd be glad to put you on our mailing list. We're not going to bug you to death. Here, here's the thing. We, we want you to come to Heartland as a teenager, a married guy. You know what? God calls married people to go to Bible college too. Yeah, and uh, so we want you to come if God wants you there. That's, yeah. that's, our, that, that's kind of our, our goal. Yeah. We want you there because God wants you there. There's, we offer many, many different programs. The ladies talked about the one-year Bible certificate where you can come and get a, a Bible college education and maybe go out and do something, that, something else in your life. Uh, I, I, I think this. Every young person ought to consider at least one year in Bible college. Just one year. And let God work on your life. Was it Madison? You came. You said, I'm going to be there one year. And blah, 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 I'm going to do whatever I want to do. <laughs> and that didn't work out for you, did it, huh? She ended up staying four years. And uh, so sometimes God does that. Amen. Life of young people. So we're very excited about it. Good to have you with us tonight. Bailey has an uh, aunt and uncle here. Drove all the way up from 60 miles. They're assurance groupies. They're here tonight to follow us. Uh, we go from here to uh, Iowa, to uh, North Liberty, Iowa, then we make our way over to Chicago. Before the summer's over, we'll be in Chicago, we'll be in Philadelphia, we'll be in New York City, we will be in Boston, or Boston, however you're supposed to say it, and near Washington, D.C. So we get to go to all of the East Coast uh, liberal states. <coughs> Probably shouldn't have said that, but... We, bought two, we brought 200 masks with us because everywhere we're going to go, you know, if you don't have a mask on, it's going to be like Barney Five, citizens of the rest, they're going <laughs> to, right? 
in any way. So, well, it's a blessing to be with you. First Chronicles chapter 28. And it's already almost 7 o'clock, so uh, hopefully we can dw- uh, chisel this down to be a little bit shorter. We got a, an activity tonight, a college and career activity uh, after church tonight, so we want to make sure we get, uh, get things expedited. First uh, Chronicles 28, why don't we stand in honor to God's Word, and uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. We'll look at a, a lot of the chapter uh, tonight, but verses 1 through 4 of First Chronicles chapter number 28, 1 Chronicles 28, all right? Did I say that, or did I say 1 Corinthians? Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, we'll put 15,000 miles on that van we've got out there before the, before the summers. 12 weeks, 12 weeks. Pray for us. Pray for stamina, pray for strength, pray that we don't have on the, on the van, <laughs> you know. And uh, my, uh, I have a sister that passed away last night about 11 o'clock, 56 years old, died of uh, congestive heart failure and and uh, COPD, and so I'm just, uh, I'm not sure what the next few days might hold for us. I may have to make a trip to Texas for a funeral for my sister. I'm not sure how all that's going to work out, but pray for us. God, give us safety. There's a lot of crazy drivers out on the road. I don't want to be one of them, you know, and uh, so anyway, we've got some stories we could tell about that, but we're not going to do it. First Chronicles 28 verse 1. And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the, over the thousands, and captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king, and of his sons with the officers, with, with the mighty men, and all that were valiant men, Unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had it in mine heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name. Because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler and the house of Judah, the house of my father and among the sons of my father, he liked me, to make me king over all Israel. We're going to preach tonight a message that we've titled, He Liked Me. I I was fascinated by that phrase in my Bible reading. I ran across that phrase in my Bible reading one day. That's a pretty good thing for a college teacher and a preacher to do, to read their Bible. And so it's just like this, you know, have you ever done that? You're reading your Bible and all of a sudden you come across a verse and you think, man, that wasn't in here the last time I read it. Well, it was, but maybe it just, there was just something that tweaked your attention. 
So when I read that phrase, he liked me, I thought, let's figure that out. Why did God like David? God bless you. You may be seated. So chapter 28 begins with David assembling the leaders of the nation of Israel. He tells them that he had it in his heart to build a temple, but God did not allow him to do that. In fact, he chose his son Solomon for that purpose. Now, God had graciously allowed David to prepare for the construction of the temple, and so he brings the the leaders of the nation of Israel together and challenges them and himself to be obedient to God. Now, why did he do that? Well, because God desired for them to prosper. He talks about that in verses 8 through 10. Look down at verse 8. Now, therefore, in the sight of, of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land. And leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, what? He will be found. But if thou forsake him... He will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. So David challenges the leaders of the nation of Israel and Solomon, his son, to be obedient to God so that they could inherit the land that God has given to them forever. By the way, that land still belongs to the nation of Israel. I don't care what the world says, it's, it's, their, it's their property, it's their land. And then in verses 11 and 12, he gives the pattern of the building of the temple to Solomon. And he tells him in verse 11, then David gave Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner par- parlors thereof and of the place of the mercy seat and the pattern of all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and of all the chambers round about and of the treasuries of the house of God and the treasuries of the dedicated things. And I have in my mind that I can see David and Solomon lying down on the floor maybe and he rolls out the blueprints and the patterns for all of the house of God. And he says, son, here's where you need to build the house of God. This is the, this is the instructions. These are, this is the blueprint. And I could see him giving his son this great desire that David had in his heart. And then he gives him some instructions for the courses of the Levites. And verse number 13, he gives Solomon the gold by weight for the utensils of the, of the temple. In verses 14, through 19. And, and even tells Solomon, listen, in chapter 29, look at chapter 29, verse 4. Look at this. Even 3,000 talents of gold. Now, this is David saying, all right? 
This is David saying to Solomon, I'm given this. He says, I'm giving 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and 7,000 talents uh, of refined silver to overlay the, law, the walls of the house, houses with all. Now, so, so I had this thought. So David has given this money of, of his own, of his own um, income. And many estimate, now I thought this was amazing, that in today's um, a modern society, in our time, uh, gold that he would have given at that particular time would have estimated to be in, in, in 2021 to be $18,495,000. And just David out of his own treasury, out of his own pockets, eighteen million dollars. And there's no telling how much had been prepared by David from the treasury of Israel for this project. In verse number two of chapter 28, he, he stands before the leaders and he addresses them. And, and again, he rehearses to them that he had this desire to build the temple of the Lord. Now there's a phrase that he uses here that I thought was kind of, uh, kind of a, um, uh, caught my eye as well. And, and notice what he calls it, a house of rest in verse number two. A house of rest. Now, it, it doesn't mean that God gets tired and has to put his feet up on a, on a footstool like you and I do, but it, it carries this idea. It, 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 it focuses on the, this thought that it was a a permanent dwelling place for God. Because you have to understand, up until this particular point, when they, before they built the temple, God lived in a tent. A tabernacle, right? A tent. How many of you have a tent? You got a tent. You go tent and you like to live out in the country, in the woods, and go tent. And hey, I love doing stuff like that. But my idea anymore of roughing it is if the RV, the generator goes out and I can't watch ESPN on my satellite dish. That's my idea of roughing it. I'm sorry. I mean, I've done the camping thing in a tent. And when we lived in Wyoming, my wife bought a tent, went to Sears, bought a tent, brought it home, dumped it out of the box, and it was pink. Pink. It was pink. You don't go camping in the mountains of Utah in a pink tent. You know, they probably thought it was a Mary Kay convention, you know, out there in the woods somewhere. You know, but, but God lived in a tent. That's where he dwelled. That's where his dwelling place was. So he says, I want a place of rest. I want a place where God can live permanently. And then he uses that phrase, a footstool of our God, perhaps a reference to the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant. So he then confirms to them he's made preparation, amassing all the materials that they needed. Uh, it, now, here's an interesting thing. Look at verse Number uh, two, then David had stood before them in verse two. Look at this phrase. As for me, I had it in my heart. Now that's not a bad thing. Do you, do you agree with that? It, it wasn't a bad thing that David wanted to build a permanent dwelling place for God. But then look at verse number three. But God said unto me, so in other words, David had it in his heart to do it, which was not a bad thing, 
But God said, no. We'll, we'll talk about that in greater detail later. So then in verse number four, the focus switches from his preparation to his own personal testimony. And look, look at verse four. How be it the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father. That's divine election. Now, I, I want us to, to understand the word election is a Bible word. Now, there have been those that have taken it and made it mean something that God doesn't intend for it to mean. But God, listen, God chose David. God chose him. God picked him out of all the seven of the sons of Jesse. God chose David, the youngest of all of the sons of Jesse. God chose David. And Judah would be the kingly tribe chosen by God from which Jesus would come. So again, as I was in my Bible reading several weeks ago, I came across that phrase, he liked me. Now, this is the only place in the Bible where the word liked is used. It comes from a Hebrew word, ratzah, which means to be pleased with, to set an affection on, to approve, to delight. It also means pardon. And again, it's the only place where that word is used in the word of God. Now, it is used in a different English word as the word pleasant or the word accept, but this is the only place that the word liked is used in the Bible. So as I already mentioned, what was it that God saw in David that he liked? Can I give you some things today that I believe that God saw in David that God liked him. Number one, I, I believe that God liked David because he was a man after his own heart. Amen. Did you know twice in the Bible, once in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel, then in the book of Acts in the New Testament, David is called a man after God's own heart. Amen. A man after God's own heart. Only a man, would you agree with that? He wasn't a perfect man. We, we know that. There are two things in the life of David that when you talk about David that usually people think about. You know what they are? De a, a giant by the name of Goliath and Bathsheba. One of them was a giant that David killed and the other was a giant that almost killed him. You understand what I mean by that, right? But David was a man after God's own heart. Not a perfect man, but he was a man. And, and, and the Bible tells us that God chose him to be the successor of Saul because of Saul's sin. 17-year-old, smelly shepherd boy living out in the wilderness with a bunch of smelly sheep. 17 years old. Anybody, any guy here 17? Let me see your hand. If you, if you are, you're not going to admit it, right? All right, back there, 17. Okay. I knew what I was like when I was 17. 
There's no way God could have chosen me to be a king. You know, right? Those 17-year-old young men, they are not ready to be a king. But God chose David out of his, all of his brothers. You remember this? He lined up all of his brothers from the oldest all the way down to the youngest. And when God didn't choose any of them, Samuel says, do you have any other sons left? He said, well, yeah, I got the youngest, which means the smallest, the runt, the youngest, but he's out there keeping a bunch of sheep. And Samuel said, well, we're not eating mashed potatoes and gravy and fried chicken until you bring him in. (laughs) So they brought him in and God said, this is him. This is my man. So God chose David out of all of his brothers to be the king of the nation of Israel. Why does God choose people? What kind of person does God choose? Well, when you think about David being a man after God's own heart, I I think this. God saw in the life of David a spiritual man. That that phrase, a man after his own heart, implies that, doesn't it? What does it mean to be somebody that's after God's own heart? What does that mean? Well, I think it means that I think it means this. What's important to God is important to you. Yes, sir. Yeah. If, if reading your Bible is important to God, it ought to be important to you. If going to church every time the doors are open it is important to God, it ought to be important to you. If having a prayer time is important to God, it ought to be important to you. Yes, sir. If telling people about Jesus is important to God, yes, it, it ought to be important to you. Yes, sir. Amen. So I believe this, that a man after God's own heart Uh, believes that what's important to God is important to him. I mean, I believe it means that that David's heart was completely God's. Completely God's. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So God saw in David a man after his own heart. So I think God liked David because he was a man after his own heart. Number two, I think that God liked David because he was a man of integrity. You say, well, that's a word that I'm not familiar with, but the word integrity in the Bible means someone who is innocent and upright. And so God chose David because he was a man of integrity. All right, keep your place there and look in 1 Kings chapter 9. I I, want to show you something in 1 Kings chapter number 9. When we talk about David being a man of integrity, 1 Kings... Chapter 9. All right, verse 1. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house. All right, all right, no, okay. So this is later on. David gives the pattern to Solomon. Solomon goes on and he he builds the temple of the Lord. All right, okay. So chapter 9 of 1 Kings is after 1 Chronicles 28. Okay, now I know it's not that way in the Bible, but just... Chronologically, okay? All right. So it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire which he was pleased to do that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him at at Gibeon. All right, so back up. All right, so we have to understand this. God came to Solomon at the beginning of his reign and says... Ask me what you want. And Solomon says, 
I don't know how to rule these people. I'm like a little child. I, I need your wisdom. I, I don't know how to take care of this. And so God says, all right, because you've not asked for wealth and power and the lives of your, your enemies, I'm going to give you what you asked for, but I'm also going to give you some things that you didn't ask for. And he gave him wealth and power. So now he shows up the second time after Solomon has built the temple. And I, and I want you to notice verse 3 and 4, what God says to Solomon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. And mine eye and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And verse 4, and if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked. What's the next word? In integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I've commanded thee. And he goes on to tell them, if you'll do everything that, that your father David did, I'm going to make sure that somebody from your seed sits on the throne of Israel forever. But he says, I want you to walk in integrity. I think that God liked David because he was a man of integrity. So what does that mean? Well, it means this. Number one, God values integrity. That's what it says right there in 1 Kings chapter 4, chapter 9. God values integrity. Number two, I think it also means this, that God will give you and I opportunities to display integrity. Now, we're traveling this summer and we go into a restaurant, you know, McDonald's or whatever it is we're going to do, I, fast food. So we walk in, there's seven of us, right? Is there seven? Okay. Seven of us. So we all get in line and I tell the people, all right, there's seven of us on this ticket and mom back here is paying. She's got the money back. She carries the money and she pays for all of our meals uh, she doesn't pay out of pocket. The school provides for us a little bit, you know, to help us with that. So one day, we're, one year we're traveling with Glory Bound. We walk into a Panda Express. Anybody like Panda Express? I like Panda Express. We walk in there. Now there's eight in the Glory Bound because there's four guys in a quartet and then, you know, the sound guy and then mom and pop where we walk in there. So the guys walk up and they order their food. We go to the table. She pulls out the receipt and got to look at it. There's eight of us. They only charge us for seven meals, right? So what do you do? What a blessing. <laughs> we got more money than we thought we did. No, you know what she did? She took the receipt up to the register and told the lady, you didn't charge us enough. The lady looked at her like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? I'll tell you why she did it. She has integrity. Amen. Has integrity. God values integrity. God will give you opportunities to display integrity. The day may come when you go to Panda Express and they don't charge you enough. I hope you have enough integrity to go up there and tell them you didn't charge me enough. So what if the opposite was true? What if they charged us too much? She'd storm up there. <laughs> integrity. I thank God like David because he was a man of integrity. 
Number three, I think God liked David because he was a man, listen, listen, who dealt with his sin. Psalm 51. We're not going to take the time to look at everything there in Psalm 51. But if you look at Psalm 51, it doesn't take you long to know that David dealt with his sin. He dealt with it. Now, there's a lot of people in the world that sin and mess up and they, they blame everybody else. But David didn't do that. David accepted the responsibility of his sin. He was humbled by his sin. He realized that his sin was not just a sin against Bathsheba, but it was a sin against God. Do you understand that? When you and I sin, yes, people are impacted. Um, every, there, there's always collateral damage when we sin. But David understood that his sin was a sin against God. Psalm 51, against thy uh, uh, commandments have I sinned. Thy, I've transgressed thy law, David says. David dealt with his sin. And I believe that if you want to be a person that God likes, you better deal with your sin. You better quit blaming everybody else for your sin. Amen, that's good. Deal with your sin. David was a man who dealt with his sin. He was humble about his sin. He understood that he had offended God with his sin. David desired to be reconciled with God from his sin. There's a lot of people, there are lots of people in the world that are sorry for their sin, but they don't show godly sorrow. There's a difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. David dealt with his sin. And I believe, number four, that God liked David because David accepted God's will for his life. Go back to 2 Chronicles. You, you, you just gotta, you gotta catch this. I, I want you to catch this. This is so very, very important that David accepted God's will for his life. Now, when Solomon was born, they named him Solomon. Now, I... I knew this, but I really didn't pay any attention to it. But Solomon means peace. There is a word that we sometimes will hear in Hebrew, familiar with it, and it's the word shalom. And that means peace. Solomon's name comes from that Hebrew word, which means peace. All right. So stick with me. David wanted to build a temple for the Lord. But God said, no, I'm not going to let you build the temple, my dwelling place, because you have been a man of war and you have shed blood. So who did God choose to build his temple? Peace. A peacemaker. Solomon was a peacemaker. He was a diplomat. He was not a man of war. And so God chose a man by the name of peace to build his temple. Now, so, so stick with me. David recognized this and he accepted, quietly accepted God's no, which sometimes 
That's awfully hard to do, isn't it? To accept God's no. So I want you to notice what David's response is in verse 4. How be it the Lord God of Israel chose me before all of the house of my father to be king over Israel. David's response is this. What's David doing there? Well, and, and this, this is the best part to me. He's focusing on what God did not. I, I got to say this right. I got it written down in my notes, so I'm going to say it right. He is focusing on what, on what God did allow him to do. Did I say that right? Instead of focusing on what he didn't get to do, he focused on what he got to do. Now, it's easy for you and I to be disappointed and distraught and frustrated when our desires and our expectations are not met. Can I help you today? Psalm 62, 5, David says, wait thou only upon God. I don't know about you, but it's awful hard sometimes to wait on God, isn't it? As a result of us getting impatient with God, we forget the things that God has done for us. Let me ask you, what has God done for you? If you're saved tonight, guess what? You don't have to wake up in the middle of the night wondering if you're going to die and go to hell. Amen. Praise the Lord, sir. That's a pretty good thing. Yes, it is. Yeah. Right? I was telling our Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago. It was a beautiful day. I said, you know what, man, we got, we got some things to be thankful for. Number one, you got up this morning. That's a big deal. Number two, it's a beautiful day outside. Number three, God's still on the throne. And number four, Joe Biden, never mind, three out of four is okay. Am I right? God's still on the throne. And God still loves you. So rather than focus on what you don't get to do, focus on what you do get to do. He saved you. He keeps you. He keeps you. He meets your needs every day. I think that probably we just came through some of the roughest several months that I've ever experienced with this COVID thing. Y'all were shaking hands tonight. I sure didn't even know what to do because we don't shake hands at Southwest yet. We haven't gotten that far yet, you know. Isn't it cool to see the choir back up here singing? You know, what a blessing. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Oh, they sang a song tonight. Your ways are higher than mine. Aren't you glad of that? And during the closing years of his life, rather than focus on the things he didn't get to do, what does David do? He focuses on the good things that God has given him. In other words, he looked at life from God's point of view. Look at how positively he states that. Verses 5 through 8, he says, Of all of my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon to sit upon the throne. And he said unto me, Solomon thy son shall build my house 
and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Of all of the sons of Jesse's family, God chose the runt and the least of all of his sons. Now David wasn't always the man after God's own heart, but yet David says he liked me. What does it take to be someone that God likes? Well, it takes somebody that has a heart for the things of God. I I wonder sometimes, and I, I don't even know how to express this, but I wonder sometimes how many church members, the only time they ever think about God and His Word is when they come to church on Sunday. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever... How, how do I mean, do you ever think about God other than when you come to church on Sunday? It takes someone who has a heart for the things of God. It takes someone who has integrity. Hey, to be liked by God, it takes somebody to deal with their sin. And it takes someone who accepts God's plan for their own life. But, but before I close, I got to say this. God likes can take pleasure with everyone in the world. Do you know how he did that? When he sent his son to pay the price for your sin. Yes, sir, yes. I, I don't know who's here tonight, but John 3, 16, I think is still in the Bible. Yes, it is. Amen. For God so loved, not liked, but he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God doesn't just like you. He loves you. Do you know him tonight? Are you a person like David who God liked? If you don't know him, can I encourage you tonight to come and receive him as your savior, to trust him with your soul so that you can have eternal life. He liked me. I just love that. Be a person that God likes. No, no better than that. Be a person that God loves and accept him as your savior if you're not saved. Father, I thank you tonight for the privilege of being here and Lord for your son Jesus who paid the price for our sin, who died that we might have eternal life. So God, I just thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us when you sent your son to pay the price for our sin. And God, help us to be men and women after your own heart, to be men and women of integrity, to be men and women who accept and and deal with our sin and be people who accept the perfect will of God in our life. So I pray you'd bless and Show yourself evident in the invitation we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.